0: And welcome back to Breaking the Facts with me, Mahima. So, in the last episode, we talked about hypnosis and how it revolutionized the field of neuropsychology and how a 10-year-old may want you to hypnotize people really, really, really bad. I mean, you can ignore the latter part. It shouldn't concern you that much. (laughs) And as I promised, today we will be talking about consciousness, a topic that has puzzled humans since more than 2,000 years and continues to do so ever since. So if you ask me, Mahima, can you define what is conscious? Uh, The answer, my friend, you'll get is a straight up no. Because, you know, I'm not a researcher in the field of consciousness. And even if you are somebody who has been researching on this topic almost his entire life, you'll never get a straight up answer. And why is that? Let us find out. Last time we traveled to 18th century Paris and Vienna, except for this time we will travel to ancient Greece, the time of Aristotle and Plato. So I want you to imagine yourself walking around in a jolly mood across a really awesome day in ancient Greece. I mean, it's a normal day, but it's pretty awesome because you know the birds are chirping, awesome pollution-less weather, and yes, 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 the best part is the dress you're wearing is made up of chiton, which is like basically you're half naked and you're wearing a robe around you, which is pretty comfortable because you're airy and you're feeling awesome but the day is interrupted by two men arguing in front of you and on a closer look you find out it is plato and his dear student aristotle now aristotle says look dear plato what we see we imagine and we should study the object and discover its function plato on the other hand says Tears, Stu wouldn't listen, listen, I respect you, but I think it is essential to disengage from the world and its object to discover the true essence of reality. So you go like, nah bro, I'm not interested in these two nerds arguing and you walk around through this chilly day with your chiton clothes, letting air pass all through your body like it's normal, till Plato calls you back and presents you with his book, The Republic. He now tells you to open the most puzzling yet crippling allegory of Plato's caves. In this thought experiment, what happens is this, you and your friends are prisoners in a cave ever since you were born, which means you know, you know nothing about the life outside of it. And you're facing a wall and behind you is fire which is like constant, it's always there. Also there are puppeteers who are casting shadows on the wall your entire life. And you and your friends name these shadows whatever you want be it a cat be it a dog be it wonder woman be it ryan Reynolds, anything (laughs) and here's the twist one of you is set free basically it's you who's set free to wander off from the cave now you go and explore the world you see shapes which are now 3d not 2d which was your earlier reality and you go back and explain all of this to your friends Since your friends only believe in what they saw their whole life, which is obviously, you know, two-dimensional shapes and Ryan Reynolds in 2D, (laughs) they might think you as a traitor and end up killing you or ignoring you most of their lives, since they are not conscious about what is outside of the cave. Now, this Plato describes is the condition of a philosopher who is trying to explain what happens outside the world and what is real and what is not. So basically, this is how the prisoners of that time thought that Plato's teacher, who was Socrates, he was corrupting young minds and was therefore poisoned. So that was Plato posing the question of what is real and what is conscious. After all this happened, these topics of reality and consciousness were brought up by many, but vaguely, like really vague, till a very well-known mathematician, René Descartes, posed his theory of mind-body dualism where he stated that mind was distinct from matter but could influence matter and that mind exerted control over the brain. So, in short, basically mind and brain are separate. Seems like, you know, pathetic and really stupid theory. But believe me when I say it's still a topic which remains to be debated upon. Now philosophy became less popular as people started asking for proofs. You know, I want proof. Uh, these theories won't do anything till we have experimental proof. And science and psychology left no stones unturned in finding out what consciousness actually is. (laughs) So we all know Darwin, the guy with the white beard in our science books telling us how evolution occurred and I always used to think why is he bald but anyways that shouldn't concern us. So Darwin is known for influencing one more person in his life who made a lot easier for us to explain what consciousness is and why it cannot be defined. Like, okay, so I'm talking about psychologist William James, who said that consciousness is nothing but a stream of thoughts. That is, each thought is separate from the other. It is constantly following the other and which results in a total unified consciousness. Now, for example, I'm speaking. But as I'm speaking, you might be thinking about your shoes or how beautiful the day is or how beautiful your crush looks when he or she smiles (laughs) and so on. But it is represented as a unified conscious thought in your brain. And these conscious thoughts make together a stream of thoughts. So basically, you know, consciousness is constantly evolving. And since consciousness is constantly evolving ever since we were born, we cannot define it. Simple as that. also gave the relation between emotions and conscious in the earliest theory of psychology which is james Lange theory of emotions it states that emotions arise because of what your body feels (laughs) now in simple words we feel happy because we are conscious that we smile not because we are happy first and then smiling which is like hard to accept at first but then you're like okay fine okay so basically We are smiling because we are happy. No, we are happy because we are smiling. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Now, after the death of James, people shifted their focus from consciousness to behavioral studies, which is, you know, study of emotions, until consciousness was brought back with the birth of quantum mechanics. So it all started when Erwin Schrodinger, he was an Australian physicist, posed a very well-known thought experiment of putting a cat, a radioactive uranium, a Geiger counter which detects you know radiation and a vial of poison inside a box. Now, decay of uranium is a probabilistic phenomenon. You know, it's like 50-50. And as soon as uranium decays, the counter sets off, releasing the poison, which kills the cat. Now, here's the question for you. Is the cat dead or alive? And you have to tell this without opening the box. The real answer to this question is, it is some of both dead and alive states and this also can literally drive people nuts but it is actually actually very very true because there is 50 50 chance of uranium degrading or not so the key feature of this experiment was now noted by another scientist or i can say a very well-known quantum mechanics professor Eugene wigner who said that consciousness controls everything in the universe That is, for example, I, human, who is conscious, wants to check whether the cat is dead or alive. It is I who is determining the existence. Or in short, you know, my consciousness determines your existence. Ah. And after reading all this, literally my brain was on the verge of exploding. I had to eat four packets of Cheetos to calm myself down. (sighs) But it was also like, Wow, I mean, such a brilliant theory was put forward to connect consciousness and existence and reality with modern quantum mechanics so now scientists basically entered the world of defining what actually consciousness is and major who came in 1996 you might know sir roger penrose he's a very well-known mathematician at oxford university in his book shadows of minds he argues that consciousness is non-computational which means that no matter how advanced how much advanced a computer might be it cannot attain consciousness And he also put forward ORC-OR theory which is orchestrated objective reduction which states that consciousness originates at the quantum level inside of the neurons. So basically brain is the culprit. Maybe, maybe not because it is probability. I don't know. So whatever the answer might be, the topic has been confusing and it is really great to embrace as different layers of it unfolds within the time of our lives. And by time, we spend one-third of our life sleeping so what happens when we are not conscious mm, what is unconscious well we'll dwell upon this topic in the next episode because seriously it's a lot of thoughts for you to ponder upon for this week and although it might be difficult to understand these theories you know the real answer to our life and our existence are within these theories because these theories give us insight to to ourselves and help us understand this chaos in the world. And you know, we should embrace the chaos that we surround ourselves with. <laughs> so, wrapping up on the second episode, after going through all these mind-boggling articles and research papers, I, my dear listener, have one question for you. And the question is this, are we the wanderers of the universe or are we the universe ourselves? (laughs) Either way it might be, it does help if you smile and make this world a better place to live in. Because in the end, it is all about embracing the chaos, isn't it? And as I say always, Wherever you are, whatever you are doing right now, I just hope that tomorrow becomes a better day for you and I'll see you in the next episode. So keep smiling, stay warm, stay safe and embrace the chaos. Bye.